The D and Davis Show. D and Davis still in COVID formation. Dan Davis' show, I should say. Uh, we got a lot to get into. We're definitely going to go over our thoughts over the last dance. Also, uh, make sure it's, it's not included in this, but we have a standalone interview with Percy Allen of the Seattle Times to kind of break down the Seattle Supersonics angle from that 96 title. Uh, so we're going to definitely, we definitely got into a lot of different things with him about that and the last dance. And of course, we got to get into the new situation in the MLB with the owners coming to the players with a, a 50-50 split when it comes to the cap and a strike shorten, not a strike shorten, a COVID-shortened season of 82 games, and we're going to find out what the players say. It seems like a little bait when it comes to uh, public opinion and kind of how the players are up against the wall, so we definitely got to give our thoughts on that. My name is Kenneth Davis, and you know him. His name is... D. Demons Pearl. What's happening, everybody? Hey, make sure you follow D. and Davis Show on Twitter and IG at D. and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D. and Davis Show. Hit the bio link. It's take you everywhere we're at. You can watch us on YouTube, listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Of course, I'm on Twitter and IG at Demons One D E M O N Z E One. Ken is on Twitter and IG at That's Davis, and is a producer of the D and Davis Show and everything that we do. Ryan Bukovsky, make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan B Ski. IG Ryan B Ski One A. Also, too, Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. Get all our stuff there as well. All right, guys, let's go off top. Off the top. Off top. Uh, so, uh, the Southern, the Southern California sports Academy previously co-owned by the late Kobe Bryant has retired his Mamba nickname and rebranded itself, uh, nearly four months after the, the basketball icons death. Uh, we all know this in thousand Oaks, unfortunately Kobe was headed there. I believe, uh, that, that, that plane, the helicopter crash was in thousand Oaks. I don't think he was that far away from the Academy at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Academy though, and this is just something for D is under uh, consideration as a home base for the G League's new select program. Oh, interesting. All right. And then, unfortunately, just to give an update, uh, Aria Zoban's brother, that's the helicopter pilot, in a court filing uh, that uh, Brian knew the risk of the helicopter flying and the survivors aren't entitled to damages from the pilot's estate. Mm-hmm. Vanessa Bryan in February sued Zuban's estate and the charter company. So just giving you a little update on that from the all time. Hey, yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, too, uh, simple fact that NBA is looking to use the facilities as uh, some of the. G- it's a G League. It's like a G League traveling team. Or is that team going to be in the G League? I don't think so. Right? It's called the G League Elite Team. Elite Team. Um, yeah. So, but it's, it's compared to what you said, I think you can envision, envision it as a traveling team. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, they obviously the NBA wants to stay um, in tune and, and in connection with Kobe Bryant. This is another way to do it. It's out in Los Angeles. That's where a lot of these kids are going to go. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me if you start to see these traveling teams or elite teams pop up throughout the uh, in, in the near future across the country in different facilities. Let's say maybe one in Texas and Illinois here in Chicago and New York and Florida, you know what I'm saying? Somewhere in maybe in the Midwest. Uh, but I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm not surprised that, that the G League wants to stay somewhere in tune with um, well, NBA want to stay somewhere in tune with uh, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to see how, uh, I guess the the thing that catches my eye, Ken, was the court documents that you talked about. It seems like that's going to be an interesting battle and conclusion that still we're waiting on to figure out who exactly is at fault and how much of it was the pilot versus how much of it was the aircraft versus how much of it was Kobe Bryant just making a decision. And uh, it's just still such a sad, terrible situation. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this G League Mamba Academy. I guess I don't even know if I can say that anymore. But hopefully, yeah, I think it's just uh, Sports Academy right sports now. Sports Academy, right? Yeah. 
hopefully uh, that turns into a nice success. You know what I would do? And perhaps I don't know if um, Vanessa would care for that. Probably would be an issue. She's naming after Gigi. Yeah. I wonder if they buy it out from him, though. I, 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 was, I, I wonder that too. I wonder. But one, I think the owner said that they, it, there's only one of one, and that's why they're taking the mob off. But I, I'm along with UD. It was probably a buyout. I mean, because what's, what's the purpose of Vanessa Bryant holding on to it? What well, one? She may not even want to be around it, thinking about her daughter and her husband. True. But yeah. like, why not just sit? I'm not going to go there. You're going to run it. Kobe was the person running it on the other side. I may as well just let you go ahead and do what you need to do, and me step back and get out the way. Yeah, even though I'll say this part, the this sports academy is a bland ass name. I, 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 <laughs> I will with something. I will. I would like something else to be thrown on top of that. I'm, I'm maybe maybe it'll be the Kobe Bryant sports. Or academy. maybe look twenty four eight slash eight. Like, dude, put something on top of it. I mean, you can still honor someone with not using their uh, top brand necessarily as your way to promote it whatsoever. How or about maybe, uh, how about the Bean Academy? The Bean. Academy? I like. I like that. I like yep. that. Yeah. All right. I got him off the top. And Adrian Wojnarowski was the man reporting all of this for us yesterday. So Woj, again, feels like a, a good day with momentum moving in the positive direction. What more can you tell us? Uh, Greeny, the, the, you know, the owners, uh, Adam Silver, the Players Association, you know, they're starting to zero in on an idea that there is an acceptable amount of risk uh, that they can play with here. I, I had a text from a player this morning, uh, kind of on the heels of last night's reporting, you know, who essentially said, we're going to have to play with some level of risk. Most all of us accept that. And I think there's a trust between the Players Association and the league that the league is not going to put them in undue harm's way, that they're going to have an environment that for players, for staff, We'll, we'll take all the necessary precautions. And, and Green, don't underestimate the impact that economics have in this. And you saw it in Jared Dudley's tweets. You know, that's a sense among many players. They want to get paid the rest of this year's money. And they know that playing this year and, and driving more revenue and then being able to come back next season, hopefully with fans at some point next season, is going to impact, you know, their ability uh, to, to share in that 50-50 revenue split uh, that they have with the owners. Off top. Off top. All right, so a report just came out from Leach Report uh, titled, Report, LeBron, Giannis, Steph Curry, and more stars favor NBA uh, resuming uh, their season. Uh, LeBron James and the biggest stars in the NBA have reportedly formed a united front uh, mm-hmm. to resume the 2019-20 uh, season which has been a hiatus because of the coronavirus. And this is according to Chris Haynes out of Yahoo. Uh, also coming from Wojnowski saying that uh, the, the, on Tuesday, the, M- the MBPA was polling players about whether they wanted to the season to return. The Play Association denied the report and said it, was, uh, it has not authorized any formal poll of its players. And that's per uh, Sharma. They're reporting out on ESPN, Sean Sharana. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, they're reporting on ESPN, but saying? it's not supposed to come be public. The, mm-hmm. the vote's not supposed to go public. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, Steve Kerr said for the the, um, the Golden State Warriors that they're looking at it that the season is over. I mean, they're the worst team in the league. So <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> care what. Because I want to ask you, 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 did you say Seth or Steph? Steph. Because I know, I know. But the only reason I'm pointing out is because Steph Curry is if, if they go straight into the playoffs, he's not oh. even participating. Like he has 
he has he has no horse in his race. So I please, mean, but to, but, to, please. but to come out and say that he want to finish it, I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's, I say, listen. I can say I want you to give uh, cable back at your house, but guess what? I have nothing to do with your house. Right. Yeah, very very true. Right. So Steph has nothing to do with what the, basically they want to see who's going to be the champion this season. Correct. Mm-hmm. He has nothing to do with that. If he wants to lend his voice to it. Cool. But you sit your little ice can ass down. I think it's quite a few other uh, owners. I know Mark Cuban has been kind of at um, thinking mm-hmm. about saying like he's not opening up his facilities just yet. Utah's uh, open right now. Utah's open right now. But then you have to go kind of state by state. And we're very uh, and a, another interesting port, uh, point. Uh, Trace McGrady and Kendrick Perkins was on ESPN The Jump. And they Ooh. said, like, you know what? The reason why they don't like it is because, well, some, the fact that some states are open up and some facilities are open up and some owners doing it because that team who opened up earlier, they get a head start before everybody else. So both of them have basically kind of came out and said, like, man, this season is a wash. Wait. There is no even reason to do it. Tracy said it shouldn't open up, period. But then he stated why if that they did yeah. and it went along like that, it wouldn't be fair. Well, Kendra, Kendra brought that point up first and Tracy agreed with it, saying, like, you know what I'm saying? They have a, a leg up. It's kind of like an advantage. Yeah, but, have, the, yeah. Yeah, but he, he, he went along with what Shaq said. Actually said, I said it prior to Shaq that the season should be discontinued. Mm-hmm. Also, Charles Barkley has also said. Yeah, another, another Hall of Famer, too. I listened to uh, Reggie Miller on Dan Patrick's show. He basically came out and said the same thing. It's, it's, it's too much going on. It's too many questions. It's too many things you have to try to figure out to try to make a season go or to, to restart the season in a sense. He said, just wait until it starts between October, November, and basically December. You know what it was? Dan Patrick asked him. Somebody came out. I think it might even been Shaq. He said that whoever resumed, whoever wins. I assume it's Asterisk by the name. Asterisk, yeah. And that's not, was like, that's, that's, not, true. True. that's like, not true. That's not true. He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, and we've Spurs, sent that on here. They know it. Yeah. yeah. Like Spurs, they know they, they have a championship. Everybody look at them legitimately. LA teams in the Bucks, no one would have a complaint if who won. That's the thing. Yeah. So if the Clippers Only and Lakers the win, or the, yeah, like it, it will have to be like <laughs> the, the 76ers or even, yeah. for instance, Miami Heat. Well, you know what I'm saying? It would be a team of that sorts that we'd be like, hold up now. I don't know about that. But right, like if a team that was already favored to win this season, I don't think we would hold it against them. On top of that, if they win again in the upcoming seasons, we told, we would get rid of it, the quote-unquote asterisk. Yeah, it has, in a sense, kind of validated. Ryan, what do you George Carr also said that uh, he doesn't think – he said basically what you just said. They should just uh, push – do the uh, draft in August, push the season back a little bit, and focus on the season. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Like, I just, I feel like whenever a league is going to get started, they're going to run into so many things that they didn't realize that are going to be issues. And I just wonder how much room for error are there is like, do you have certain amount of players can catch it before you shut it all down? Is mm-hmm. it as soon as it comes into our sport, shut everything down? Like, I don't it- know. And only one player shut the whole entire league down, and that was uh, what's, what's the kid from uh, Utah, uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert. Yeah, he Rudy started Gobert. to shut down, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it was when they found out everybody else had it. Yeah, and th- their players they still haven't told us who caught it. But NBA's kind of kept that under lock and key. Do you think Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz are the only players that had it? No. You're fooling yourself. Yo, Ryan, finish your point. I'm sorry. I just think it's going to be so so tough. Baseball it makes a little bit more sense to me because it's kind of naturally social distancing, even though it's not all the time mm-hmm. for the most part, players are staying away from each other. How are you going to do that in the NBA with sweat, with blood, with all types of fluids going everywhere. Uh, and you're always in contact with each other, period. And it's 10, it's 10 men on the court along with three, three uh, officials. So that's 13 people on the court, right? 
And that's more people than it's to say like a UFC when it's just a referee and, and, and two fighters. That's only three. So, I mean, you're just multiplying the potential of uh, somebody spreading it. So I'm with you, Ryan. A lot of unforeseeable risk and issues can pop up that they have no clue what can happen. They, I, they don't know about. I still think baseball, and I, I, I know that you're not in the post and someone's not Ding you up. Uh, but even with the distance part of baseball, we still have to look at the most important part of any of these sports is the ball. And you're still going to go around the horn. You know, so, so it's just like, we're getting, like, I think that the owners, and I understand that they want to sit there and save some of this money that they're going to lose and get some of this television money. But in all fairness, you just need to wrap it up this year because it's the best bet because someone's going to get sick. And the real thing is going to be is, now are you going to try to cover it up? So because one person gets sick, they're going to just try to make it seem like it's that one person. Are you going to cover it up? And then it's going to come out later, perhaps, that what you did and how you basically should have just sat your ass down? Or should you just sit there and cut off your nose to spite your face and wait till next season when, it's, when there's perhaps a vaccine or at least this thing has calmed down a lot more? Rex Chapman, um, on his uh, Twitter social, handle, Twitter social handle. medium, yeah, he put a video out. It was not anything to do with sports, but I mean, Rex Chapman played, Rex played bas- uh, basketball. But he showed one of those videos about how the virus spreads. It's yeah, like, in an Asian restaurant. Oh, well, yeah. It was supposed to be an Asian restaurant. Right, somebody put, put something in their hands, do the black light on, and it was everywhere. So mm-hmm. to your point, you talk about having this ball, sweat, things like that. My God, if you flick on a, a black light in the NBA arena or whatever you're at, that, that damn thing, that damn thing could possibly start be just glowing. You still be able to watch the game because it's because it's everywhere. So there's just so many different different risks that I just don't know why you want to put yourself if you're the commissioner or owner of one of these teams. Is the risk worth the reward? Mm-hmm. That's a big question that I, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of these um, players and owners are asking themselves. One small thing too, uh, pretty much in baseball. 100% of the stadiums, they can be an outdoor element. NBA is played inside. Yeah, There's yeah. Uh, the circulating air over and over. Mm-hmm. The players could be completely fine. The camera guy could have it, and it just mm-hmm. going right. into the AC system. True. Yeah. That's true. Very good. Yeah. Off top. Off top, Ryan. Uh, my off top. Hey, see, I'm telling you, you see, I ain't talking, right? Stay humble, bro. You know he's right Stay humble, stay humble, cuz. I can say nothing. I can be excited. Yeah, but don't do that by my ear. Don't do it by my ear. No, I will do it by my ear. I will do it by my ear. No, no, no. Hey, one, one seven. That's what I do. I'll holler at you after the game. 17, just keep talking. It's kind of a two-parter. Uh, first part, just kind of want to get your reaction. I thought it was a cool story. I don't know if you guys saw Philip Rivers announced he will be coaching high school football as soon as he's done playing in the NFL. So he has a job in waiting in Alabama which I thought was kind of cool, but then there's, it leads to the other part, so I want to get your reaction on that news. But he was also a hot candidate potentially to go to the booth when he was done playing. And Monday Night Football announced Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland will not be doing it this year, mm-hmm. so they will have a brand-new booth. And without him, do you guys see another kind of front-runner for the Monday Night Football booth? I'm gonna be honest. I never f- looked at Philip Rivers as being like a. I know oh, he's I kind of. Be I know he's a. I know he's an honorary kind of a guy. But I never. Th- I never pegged him as being like. Oh yeah, you know he'll be D, good for D, the, the book. With that, you don't want to hear him saying "dang gummit" like swearing <laughs> up a storm without swearing on uh, Monday Night Football. I think it'd be great. Well, I think. It, I think it'd be good. I mean, I think it'd be funny if he was to do it. But I just never. Maybe because it's one thing we don't. I mean, we don't live in San Diego. We're now in Los Angeles, so we don't get. To, we need never, never to get to see. Uh, Philip Rivers on a day-to-day basis within the press, so I don't know his personality that well. 
but you don't know Philip Rivers' personality. Well, I know he's, he's kind great. of an honorary, uh, honorary guy. Just, you know what I'm saying? He's pretty funny. I never thought about him being in the booth. I didn't. I didn't either. I didn't think about that. But he's really pretty. He's pretty funny. I mean, I think also that since before Jay Cutler was even a Chicago Bear, that we were Cutler guys in Denver, and he was the he was the enemy of Cutler at the time. Mm -hmm. So kind of put him at a distance. But Bill Rivers is a pretty a pretty funny, funny, funny. And dude, as Ryan said, the fact that he doesn't swear, but then sit there will give you his kind of swear words. Um, it would be interesting seeing him break it, breaking, uh, break, that's really breaking down the game. Could you imagine him and Cutler in the booth with, with each other? I mean, he's well, talking about okay. up and down, left and right, yin yang. It would be interesting to see these two talk football and how, because mm. I think Philip, as we say, I, we know he's a very fiery guy, mm. but Jay is so laid Lady. back. Mm. Yeah, it would be it would be good to have that kind of a, you know, saying play off each other. What do you think about Jay in the booth now? Because they got to find somebody, and they got to find somebody they're not, entertaining. They're not going to give him that type of position. Like, if he had – Monday no, football, if, I don't know. But if he even if went, he was as great as supposedly his test was, like, he was supposedly <laughs> epic at it. But see, the thing is, Ryan, if he had went and did that, he would be up for it perhaps now. Yeah. But they're not going to bring him off the streets straight into Monday Night Football. Why not? Like, they did with Jason Witten. And they shouldn't have. And guess what? Jason Wynn decided to take his ass back to football because of that. Yeah, but... But no, he, he got panned. It wasn't like people... Yeah, panned, he got panned. He was people here. panned him. So, and also, I'm sure ESPN learned a lesson from that. Like, you know, you do. Like, for instance, them seeking Tony Romo. Tony Romo's now had, what, two to three seasons? Three, two to three seasons of actually doing it. So now it's like, all right, move him to a higher level or a, a, a bigger platform. Cool. Just like you said, when it comes to Jason Witten, just because this person seems like they're cool, you're asking them to do a lot. That's not like that's not an easy job to turn to color commentating, and you've had no job really on sure. television. But so, who do you want then? Um, well, first off, I definitely want uh, Lewis Riddick to be involved in some fashion. If, they, if they're going go to go, they're yeah, going to do a three. I would prefer it probably in a three, uh, three, a three uh, man booth. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I think there's a, a a ton of decent players. Listen, I don't think he wants to do it. Because uh, he would have probably done it already. I'm a huge fan of Steve Young. I would mad, mad, I wouldn't mind Steve Young perhaps getting it. Because I mean, I, I think you would probably lean towards a quarterback, even though it could be any position. But just like I know something that um, our boy um, Anthony Harry used to say, you know, while he was playing, being a defensive lineman, he really didn't know what everybody else was supposed to do. So at least when you get a quarterback, you and that's not saying that other players can't do this. I'm just pointing out that a quarterback really has to be cognizant of what's going on all around the field. So I, I would initially start looking at uh, some of these retired quarterbacks. Um, I mean, it may not have the same pizzazz to it. I wouldn't I, – I mean, don't go on with someone that's at ESPN. Uh, Matt Hasselback also wouldn't be uh, someone that I would look at. Uh, yeah, but I, I think he does a decent job. I don't think it gives you the entertainment value that you perhaps would be seeking. I think – Dry Randy toast. Moss, I think Randy Moss would be pretty good at it. No. You don't no. think so? You don't think Randy Moss? I love Randy Moss. Randy Moss is not good at what he does now yet. Oh, really? No, it's kind of like how you oh, feel about Dion. It's, like, it's how you feel about Dion. Like, it, it, it's mm. like, it's how you, like, Randy Moss, as I watch that show often, and either he, he I like Randy. Good. I think Randy's in the time. You know who I like better? You like it because it's, it's Randy. Carlson. I, I love I like Nate Burleson. I like him as a player. Speaking of Viking, former yeah, Vikings receivers. I hated him as a player. How could you like him? I just he was did. a lion. <laughs> well, no, for me, Nate Burson, I look at Nate Burson as being a Viking and a Seattle Seahawk. Mm. 
because he was the guy I him that as a lion. he benefited the year that Randy was hurt. Mm-hmm. He was on the other side, and Randy missed like five games with the and the Vikings threw him out as a decoy, and that's how Nate Burson ended up getting that Seattle contract when they did the flip flop when uh, the Vikings stole Hutchinson from Seattle and then said Seattle took Nate Burson from the Vikings. So I always envision those two teams when I think about Nate Burson. So yeah, he's a snazzy dresser. So you just like look, so you look at you look at Randy as just being this. I kind of think he can get do, better. But not, yeah. but not, but nah, not, not you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot of detail. So no, Randy's not ready for that. I still think he can improve with the job that he's doing. This year was better than last year. Mm-hmm. But I think there's sometimes Definitely when it comes to players doing this that they they're not multifaceted enough to know. Okay, for instance, like me and you doing something deep, and mm-hmm. if I, if you say something and I was thinking it then I have to come up with something else if we're interviewing someone. And see, he's not good at that yet. So he'll usually stay on his point that he was going to make. So let's just say Jeff Saturday or Teddy Brisky takes the point before it gets it. He usually can't deviate away from that point just yet. I mean, because, again, this isn't a platform that he's been doing. He was a football player for most of his life. So that's a lot when you're talking about in-game data you got to keep giving out and stuff like that. And I don't think Randy's ready for that right now. How would you all feel – uh, this is 2020, so yes, we have progressed pretty far. But having a woman in a booth, maybe uh, a woman could be a play-by-play and not, uh, I don't know, maybe a new commentary too. You have uh, Menendez does MLB. So uh, Jessica Menendez, right? Uh, she does MLB. Yeah, but not anymore. Mendoza, I think. Mendoza, I'm sorry, Mendoza. Um, but I'm, I'm just throwing a question out there. I wonder, yeah. we, I mean, we have a lot of women obviously cover the game. Uh, well, I'm thinking we of get somebody to come up there and go to the booth. I'm thinking of ESPN's roster kind of because maybe they go elsewhere. You know, I was thinking Chris Fowler for play by play. He does obviously college football. College. I was wondering maybe you bump him up to professional. I would say that maybe if we don't know if there's going to be a college season, thinking there's going to be one, but maybe if there's a little bit of a of question about how the college football season is going to go, maybe they might bump him over. I mean, that's I don't see why you couldn't do that. I think he's See, their best play-by-play guy for football right now. The, but the only thing even with that is he's set. And he knows yeah. that with college football, he can do that. For, he, he can be like uh, Keith Jackson. He can Key be like Jackson. yeah, Burger, Keith Jackson, where yeah. he can yeah. do that for another 20 years. That sure. Monday Night Football, you listen, if you're good, you may get a decade. I mean, if you're very good, you may get a decade out of it. Yeah, they so, yeah, they or, you know, so as soon as the ratings start looking a certain type of way, you know, it's, it's your butt, basically. So I wonder would he give up necessarily the security uh, and go to do that. So no women? Man. Do you? Oh, I wouldn't mind. It, it just depends yeah, I just on, don't know who the candidate was. And also, it had. See, this is another thing uh, due to the fact that we haven't had like a like a woman on a lesser platform do it, and then we could look at bumping her up compared to like uh uh what was it Becky Hammond? Is that the Spurs coach? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So listen, like if Becky Hammond gets a job as a head coach, there's no problem because we've already seen her as far as being an assistant and a valued assistant. So right now, since, you know, no one has opened up that to a woman off just on a lesser platform, I think it'll be hard for them to jump all the way to Monday Night Football. Wait a I wouldn't mind it taking place. Wait a minute. I think, I thought I, well, didn't Amazon do some streaming and they had two yeah, ladies? Yeah, Andrea Kramer and... Yeah. Uh, Michelle Tafoya, was it? Was they doing the play-by-play in the color? I think they did have I know it was Andrea Kramer and someone else, and I'm blanking on the other. Yeah. Oh, Hannah Storm. Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm would be the first female duo to call the NFL game. That was in 2018. Her father just died. 
Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Diana Sorn's father just passed away. Yeah. It was for the Thursday night games, and I think it was being streamed it was on, Am- on Amazon. Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. So we've had it. I don't know if a lot of people maybe caught that broadcast, but at least we... See, I didn't have Prime, so I did not catch the broadcasts. Yeah, yeah. No, I wanted a- to. Yeah, just a thought. Just a thought. You never know, man. It's, it's probably going to happen sometime soon. I think we're kind of talking about a, lo- a smaller to the larger issue. Mm-hmm. They cannot find talent for Monday Night Football, which is like crazy. It's been a long, it's been a long time since they had and a like, booth. Even like Mike Tirico and Gruden, like that was a pretty solid, that was a good booth, but that wasn't like great. Like John Gruden, he's solid and good mm-hmm. at it, but he's not like – I wouldn't call him Tony Romo. I wouldn't call him even Chris Collinsworth or Troy Aikman. I think those guys were definitely ahead of him in this commentary. So I would like them to actually beef it up. And Peyton Manning, I think, would be terrific, but he doesn't want to go with just some Joe Schmo at play-by-play. And you got to figure out – you know what? Here's a question before we get up out of here. What is the last, when was the last good in a Monday Night Football broadcasting? Um, for me, and I don't know if it was good, but I was young. It was the one that Dan Deridorf was on. Um, I forget who he was. Oh, Al Michaels. Yeah, and, Al Michaels, uh, Dan Deridorf. Dandy Don, right? Wasn't no, this Don? was, he was before, he was in there and then he, he, but yeah, uh, like that one. I mean, I think none of us was really watching it. When Howard it's Cosell the Jerry Maguire booth, right? Yeah. Remember in Jerry Maguire? They yeah. The booth be back then. So I'll, I always liked that one, uh, for me growing up, um, I hate. I, fact- I liked Al Michaels and John Madden when that was Monday Night Football. I didn't love John at that point, but yeah. Al was still great. Yeah, John was old. Um, I again personally, it didn't come off well. I did like. Uh, I'm a big Tony Kornheiser fan, so I didn't mind when he was doing it. Um, yeah. I don't think it got enough time necessarily, and he kind of grinds on people, or people don't kind of like. And he doesn't have much time left on the earth. Wow, you watch what you say about <laughs> <Wow>. Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> wow. Wow. Dude, I'm looking at the list. I forget that uh, Greeny, Greeny did it for a couple of seasons. Well, they would just, they would just do the first they game. Like the they would just do the, they would just, yeah, they would do, they would have a the double header. Oh, the double header, that's right. That's yeah, right. that's all. They, that's all. It would yeah. either be like the Raiders or somebody yeah, in the AFC. That's all. They were all him. Mike and Mike would always take the second game at the beginning true. of the year. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right, we'll come on back and have some more fun. Dean Davis Show. What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red Eye, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. Major League Baseball's owners, they've submitted a proposal to the Players Association for review of the 2020 season. Now, here are some of the key details, according to multiple reports, which are as follows. It would be a 50-50 share of the revenue with the players, an 82-game schedule that starts by early July with games in home stadiums that is, of course, provided that local governments give the clearance, an expansion of the postseason. It's going to go from 10 to 14 teams and a 30-man active roster, which is more than that what we saw from 26, the designated hitter, that would also be a universal rule throughout the game. So let's get this thing popping early and often. It's time now for our Miller Lite refreshing take of the day where I ask you, the question is, the Players Association will agree to the owner's proposal by Friday. Yes or no? Which way are you lean it? Well, I believe that uh, it might not be Friday, but it should be very soon because there, there's not a lot of time to fool around with this. Uh, Major League Baseball and the players need to be in agreement so they can start by sometime around June 10th, June 15th at the latest to get their three weeks in and start the baseball season by July 4th. Uh, If they move much past that and you're going to have a season with 
you know, 50, 60 games. There's not much integrity in that. And you're going to have a hard time keeping the attention of the fan base. So uh, agree upon the money. Uh, right now, uh, they seem far away, but uh, they have to have cooler heads prevail and come up with an equity system here that fits both sides. Uh, the fans don't have much uh, thought about or much care about how you divide it up. They just want their game back. And you better get it back for them. Uh, both sides better adhere to that. All right, guys. Dean Davis' show. We definitely got to talk about what's going on in the MLB as the owners have sent a proposal to the players with the 50-50 split, uh, DHs in, in both leagues, and also 82-game uh, season. Uh, the biggest thing for me, of course, was the fact that the 50-50 split creates a cap, something that Major League Baseball held out. Our White Sox, perhaps the Montreal Expos, missed out on the World Series due to it when they tried to put a cap in the first place. And at a time right now, because the thing is, and did talk about it as far as when it comes to J.B. Prisker and what he had to say, but the thing is, I get tired of the narrative of us always coming down on the players. And it's like, it, it, and we, we never come down on the owners and they're richer, all right? It's less of them. They, they don't take the same risks mm -hmm. when it comes to their body. And you say the players are compensated for that. Yeah, they're, they're compensated for wear and tear not if there's going to be uh, something to go on with uh, future as far as their lung capacity moving forward, fertility, you know, like they're not compensated for that. And to just say that for our viewing pleasure, they should take that risk is BS because we listen, I, you can say that for all of us in our jobs and you well, they get paid this much money. They're not compensated for risking their life against a pandemic. That's, exactly. just the, that's just the truth of the matter. Stop being selfish. You're being selfish. You can say they're being selfish. They're human beings. They have family members. What happens if they take it back home? Like what, like you, how many players did we just talk about as far as I just, I'm, I'm either my wife is pregnant about to have a baby or we just had a kid and we don't even know how this could affect children long-term. You know, we talked about on Dan Davis, the flip, make sure you check out the flip, the Kawasaki virus. Like we got to understand with something that we don't know about. Like that, we keep acting like we know this. Like, know what's going on? Yeah, it's like a cousin, a distant cousin. I kind of know. No, no, no. This is someone from another country that you never met in your life. All right. Oh, no, no, no. Not even that. The Amazon uh, rainforest. All right. They don't even know technology. Right. Trying to teach them something is like I, I can't comprehend it. It's just it, to me personally. Uh, I think if the owners, late last point before I pass it off to D. Yeah, they already two months ago prorated their salaries. Right, players were only going to get paid for the games played, so the owners were going to get money back in a way because instead of having to pay a guy for 160 some nine games, you're only paying for 82 games. Now I'll say this: if they wanted to take a percentage and say, you know what? That proration is cool, but let me get 15% back from you on that because I still understand the owners, you know, they have to pay for it, opening the stadiums up and things of that sort. Cool. And also there's no concessions. So I, I get that. If you got to get a little bit of that money back, cool. But when you do a 50-50 split, that's a cap. And what you're going to do is try to use that moving forward. And that's the whole reason that it's, it's in place. I was watching ESPN, and I, I forget who it was, but they made a point that owners win by making deals. Like, that's what they're businessmen. That's how they get victories and get W's by making deals. And this is just another case of owners trying to play fast money. See? Now, I remember back in the day, uh, let's say the late late 90s, early 2000s, and then we saw the explosion of baseball money, really, right after the strike and home runs and things of that nature. And it was crazy to see a team with a $100 million 
salary payroll. payroll, right? And it was obviously it was the New York Yankees. You had the Boston Red Sox, and then everybody else was kind of playing catch. Dodgers and Cubs. Dodgers, Cubs, right. They had the, they had the bread, right? So a lot of people back then was like, hey, baseball needs a cap because, you know, the, it's, it's basically all the teams that had all the money was buying up all the best players, things of that nature. That doesn't really happen no, that much anymore, right? Because everybody has money, TV deals, things of that nature. So with this kind of a cap, I, I, I see where you're coming from, Ken, is that you're really putting a cap on these guys and the narrative now is that the players are holding out. That's not the case. Even if, let's say, I'm a player holding out, I think I have a good, uh, a good way, not good way, but a good uh, avenue to say why I'm holding out because I could probably die. Mm-hmm. You know, I can take this, Kim, as you, as you were saying, I can take this virus back home. Or you want me to come out and play and I'm going to be away from my family for four months. I didn't sign up to go to the military. I'm playing a kid's game. I'm fact. playing bat, baseball, uh, baseball. I'm playing baseball. It's nothing. I'm not, li- you know, don't put me in that situation where I have to think about my family, my health, my family's health. This is only a game. This is only baseball, right? So to your point, you had brought up J.B. Prisker. He's a uh, governor here in Illinois. I like Prisker simple fact of what he's been doing so far with the COVID-19. A lot of stuff with his money, something like that. He's a billionaire. I don't like that. Hiding his money like Trump, I don't Had care. his money, taking, taking, taking toilets out of his house. He already mm-hmm. coming in looking really shady to a lot of people. A lot of people don't like him. And then right? he's talking about somebody else's money. Right. But to this point, when he's doing COVID-19 stuff, I rock with you, JV. But he came out today. Uh, this is courtesy of NBC Sports. Uh, Illinois Governor J.B. Prince slams MLB players for holding out. And this is a statement from him. I realize the players have the right to haggle over their salaries, but we do live in a moment where the people of Illinois and the people of the United States deserve to get their pastime back. I'm going to stop right there. Uh, we don't deserve just to watch baseball. You have to put, people have to put their, put them, put their priorities in order. Yes, I love to see baseball. Our, our brother, Tony Gill and I, we have season tickets for the White Sox. We ain't going to see the White Sox. You had, had season tickets. Yeah. Thank you. We What's had season tickets. But I understand. Probably your fault this is actually taking place. <laughs> Never. Well, Never. you looked at Cam Newton. Did you look at somebody from Wuhan? Right. Listen, look at Cam Newton. Cam, New- Cam Newton's shoulder and foot went out. As soon as he looked at him, he's like, my shoulder, my foot. Did you go to China and say, I'm going to check out the wet markets? Right. Look at this guy over here. Went over to the wet markets like, hmm. (laughs) What y'all doing? COVID. COVID. Exactly. Ah! uh, Forget the pangalangs. (laughs) It goes on to say, uh, if they're able to come up with the safety precautions as as uh, as had been suggested by Major League Baseball, that works. I hope that the players will understand that the people of the United States, uh, the people of our United States, uh, United States, need to recognize this is an important part of leisure time that all of us want to have in the summer to watch them play baseball. They're probably not even going to be in the stadium, JB. Um, uh, we need that normalcy. I must say, I'm disappointed in many of the ways the players are holding out on holding out holding out for these very, very high salaries and payments during a time when during a time when I think everybody is sacrificing. They have sacrificed. Yes, it is a lot of money that would some money that we'll never see in my lives. They have worked their way to this point in their life and their profession. They have sacrificed. And people don't deserve to watch baseball. That is something that's just a great thing to have in our free well somewhat free society. 
right? So I don't know where he's coming from. Well, I do know where he's coming from. He's a business dude. He understands what these owners are going through. He's a billionaire, him damn self. He wants them folks to go out there and work, at least these players. But he's so off base with this, guys. I, I, I just... I thought maybe he would have a little bit more of an understanding. You see people out here, the frontline workers are doing this, but you're trying to say that because they make a lot of money, they should go out there. No, brother. No, it's the same thing. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. That's your man's. One question. We do it for the COVID, no COVID-19. They know what it's supposed to do. And no, trying to be, trying to be Cuomo. First of all, my governor is was Cuomo. He, he doing his job. All right. That's the only governor I follow is Cuomo. Quit right, real quick. Steve, we can't have a good governor in Illinois. You, you know that. You're right. Yeah, how filthy is he? <laughs> Real quick, Rob, before you jump in, I just have to I just have to ask this question. Yeah. When did MLB players become essential workers? Right. I just want to know. When I just want to know. When did seeing somebody throw a ball around like man, you that's essential right there, boy. You know what I got I want to ask a question to your socks. question, Ken. <laughs> when did I decide which sport is essential? I want to pick great which sports po- are essential. Great point. Great point. Because you can just say throw that basketball back out there then, right? Right. Right. Give me all the unfeasible like, sports. He sound real Trumpish. With this, as far as people need to be entertained, get your ass out there. He sound real. Tr- and listen, oh, 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 and majority of the players in the MLB, regardless of if they speak our language of players of color and who's getting hit the hardest by this bad boy. And you like, go take your ass out there right now and play that damn game. But I will say this, though. Let's play a little devil advocate. He mm-hmm. didn't say anything about basketball. Mm-mm. He didn't say anything about the NFL. I haven't heard anything about that. Well, the MLS, I saw a report talking about they want all the teams coming down to Orlando. Don't go to Florida. Um, he hasn't said anything he, about MLS, though. Why baseball? I, I think it's because they already have a proposal, though. I think it's because they already have. That, is that the only reason? I think that's he's using that since the owners say we have an idea. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I think just looking at specifically some of the comments with JB and just the overall situation with the MLB, I mean, you already had a handshake deal, like you said, Ken. Yeah. They had a handshake deal. We're going to prorate, so you're not paying our full salary anyways. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. So you're already getting a break being mm-hmm. the owners. What is the problem here? You're not going to get as much money, obviously, through the gate and merchandise and all that stuff, but the TV rights and everything, you're going to get money there. So uh, to me, you can say the players are holding out, but that's a the, cheap move by the owners right the now. The owners are the ones holding out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, but, it's, a but switch. Also, it's a bait and switch. But also, too, you still, and as we keep saying this on this show, go back and listen to any other shows. Just hit the bio link. You find us everywhere. You're not just talking about the players. You're talking about the people who have to work there, the trainers, the managers, the people, the hotels they got to go to, their families, whatever the case may be. It's food not, preparation. Food preparation. It's not just you. Security. Yes, it's not just you. Mm-hmm. And how many people are just going to walk up on Sheffield and Waveland when the Cubs are playing? Right? A, a, a ton of dummies. I didn't think a about that. That's a, great, that's a great point, Ryan. Yeah. That's, a great, that's a great point. Get back on the trains. Get back on the buses. They, I whoa, mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. How many people are going right to be now. sitting there over on the, um, what, the rooftops? What they gonna just, they right. just give them 10 people up there, but you're still going to have people that people go. Those rooftop seats, listen, if they take 10 people, they're getting about $100 a ticket up in that bad boy. Very Watch. True. Yeah. But as I said, you have those 10 people. Okay, they leave. Then what? That goes spread out to a whole bunch of other people. Yep. That's mm-hmm. what I keep saying. Listen, I love sports more than anybody else. I tear up 
when I see the Bulls win the championship, an old, old video. I cried when the White Sox won. I did it too. Ain't, it ain't that damn serious. It's not, man. Fine. It ain't that serious. Yeah. That's something I mean, to do. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't understand. Uh, How about uh, another aspect to this? Yeah. Universal DH. I was just going to say, I, I don't like it. About that. I don't like it. I want, like it. I, like the, I want the NL to stay the NL. I want to have oh, the two different styles. Get this old baseball talk out of here. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to ride on this one. I don't like it. I don't like it. I like the fact. Also, okay, let me even dive deeper. I'm an AL guy. You really guy. want to see Kyle Hendricks bat, huh? I'm, a, I'm an AL guy. No, I don't like seeing pitchers hit. <laughs> but I'm, a, I'm an AL guy, and it's always an advantage for an AL team in the World Series. Oh, yeah. Big the NL team doesn't have Except a, a, a guy that's a – Except when the Indians. Yeah, because they had Kyle Swarbrick, who's supposed to be in the American League, on their team. <laughs> <laughs> so but so I, that, that's another reason why I always am like, no, nah, let's keep at least – let's keep a little something. Because the, the flip side is, at least when – the, uh, the the American team is in the National League Park in the World Series. They have to learn how to kind of play that style or they're going to get beat by a manager who's uh, uh, strategizing and moving ahead of their ass. So I always kind of I always kind of preferred it. I, 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 I like the fact that there's two different styles in both leagues. Listen, I understand. I, I get that point, Ken. I mean, listen, we grew up watching baseball and obviously playing it too. And, you know, when the, when the DL, uh, DH came around, it's kind of like, okay, well, all right. But – you you have two different styles of play. You are eliminating all players knowing how to play all positions, not all positions, but you know what I'm saying. You got you you you're having pitches that know how to hit. That's still pretty cool. You know what I'm saying. When we we play, your boy pitch, Mad Bum. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So you have some. We grew up playing. It's like okay, yeah, I'm a pitch, but also I'm a hit. It's you play the full gamut of the sport, and now you are really you really specialize in every aspect of it. I get that point. I'm really not that fan of it. But on the flip side, damn man, it's about time. I mean, what's the purpose? Of it? What's the purpose of it? What, why just have it in one league and not the other? You just go ahead and knock it down. Listen, in the league, don't mean as much as it used to be. It used to be back it in the day. Shouldn't, it, sh- it shouldn't though. But the but also too, Ken, I think it's got to the point with the DH too. I mean, just go ahead and just put it. Up. I can listen. I, I, I don't mind you. I don't mind you saying that. I can understand why. And also brings more jobs to guys because now you open up my points. You're opening up the NL, and a lot of these older players, you know, since look, Albert Pujols wouldn't have to leave the Cardinals, even though they weren't going to pay him. But still, we and we all also know with the um, uh, what's what's his name's name that just signed with the Phillies? It just escaping my mind last year. Last year. Yeah. yeah. Listen, that Phillies deal with, with the part of the reason they said that they gave him that much money is because they looked at that the, the, the DH is coming to the National League. So they even when Bryce Harper got older, they was like, we can just sit his butt at DH even though he's going to be overpaid. I get it. I, I have no, I don't have as much of a problem as far as I don't know why. I'm just telling, talking as far as my preference. Yeah. Right. For me, I'm with you guys. Like, it is cool seeing a league have something kind of different for half of it versus the other half. It's definitely unique and cool. But I'm kind of just over pitchers hitting. That's just me. I'm sick of seeing it. I have a few reasons. First of all, DH was not always around. So we used to have just universal baseball, and nobody yeah. cried like, hey, this is terrible. Why can't these leagues be a little different? Two, you said it, Ken. The big thing I'm a proponent of, it adds an extra, what, 15 jobs in the league yeah. for somebody to snatch up? and. I'm always pro players getting extra chances, more jobs, all that stuff. And I think just the third thing, again, going back to the pitcher, I am so sick of how many times 
you have to plan for that pitcher to hit, but there's not much you can do around it. You know, like how many innings are killed because a pitcher is up there hitting and not to say with a hitter, it wouldn't be bad, but when you're trying to get more offense, more eyeballs, get rid of these weak ass hitters. I will say is it will, it's going to in a sense kind of dumb down the game, the strategy. Mm-hmm. You don't have, yeah. You don't have, if a manager, if, if, if you but, don't want your manager. One thing. Yeah. 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 One thing to that. D, yeah. If yeah. you didn't want, you know, the game changing, why are you putting a wiffle ball? in every pitcher's hand and throwing it to the plate where guys are just hitting home runs like crazy. It's already taking strategy out of the game. Yeah. True, but still it's not the same as taking away when you have double switches here. and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I say with the double switch and things like that. I was going to also say, I think in the past too, we have to remember that the leagues were actually really separate. Yeah, they were. Like, you know, they basically had their own commissioner. Like what Dobie was in charge of the AL. Like, so they did it in that American League try to spice everything up. So compared to now, like you just said, it was two different worlds where basically the, 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 the Manfred is, is in control of both leagues, you know, but before, even though they had a commissioner, the leagues had a, a, a head and they were two separate, separate leagues. So that's kind of the reason in the past. But again, listen, time waits for no man. I understand. I get it. But I still like that, that, that they were separate. And also for future generations, they can kind of still see in the National League how baseball was originally played to a certain extent. Listen, I will, I'm all for going old man baseball and really separating the two, though. I wouldn't mind going back to only you only seeing. No. You, I wouldn't mind I hate that. that. I hate I that. Mind, I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. Because you only see. T- so now we never get questions asked. Uh, but this is the thing, though. Back in the uh-huh. day, we couldn't actually see them, see them because of television and things like that. Yeah. Now I think you can you can see whoever you want in any game yeah. you want. But now, I don't get to see I, the teams play one another. Uh, like I, no, make you, it make you, it go, take it take it back to the World Series how it used to be. No, because dude, I want to be able to that. see. Listen, I want to be able to see if the Boston Red Sox, right, and without without making it to the World Series, can beat the Dodgers. You know what I'm saying? You see like, them in the World Series if they make but it. Now, but if they don't, then I, I no. I like. I've never been a fan of separating play, and, and we already know you play your conference more or league in baseball than any than, than than the other league. But I always like to see we get to see when those teams meet up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all, like, even with the, 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 the finals with uh, the, the, the Supersonics, right? Like, the, the, they won those two games after, what, game three, I believe. And, um, won four the, and five, yeah. They won four and five. But the thing was, and even going off of what Gary Payton said as far as, like, yeah, you know, I could have wore Mike out if I got on him earlier. That next year, they played, I think, in February in Key Arena. And Jordan dropped like 40-something on that ass. And we wouldn't have got that if we had to only see them in the finals. I always like to see the best teams play. If we just wait till only two of those teams can get there, I feel as a fan that I'm cheated. I want to see those teams and see the talent match up. I never like it to be a total separation. I'm fine with it being separated. I'm fine with it being separated. I'm, I'm fine as having the intrigue of, man, I want to see how this team plays against this team in the finals and they finally meet up. It's like, oh, you know, I, I like, I like, I like that. I like that drama to it. Yeah. But a player like Ernie Banks, who was really never on a winning team, right? But a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. You, you would have never seen him play against great Yankee teams and saw how he matched up against them because his team didn't put him in a position to be able to get there. Very I always want to see. I always want to see the bests match up. So I. So for, for, for what we do, 
those games allow us to gauge them and go out and talk to people about what took place and how good that player was against the other supreme talent in that sport. I think it lights a fire up under that particular team to make sure you get to that point. But you can't do that in baseball. Like you can't. Like I mean, you can't do that in baseball because it's baseball you is make, so you much. Make, you make sure your team is you one player can't. On your team. One, well, one player can't. No, no, I'm I'm just saying one player, but one player can't do that in baseball. Listen, you can have a hitter's role if you if your general manager can't get any pitching. Like if you're talking about basketball, I'm putting it like this. In basketball, I would agree with you, even though I don't I, I would agree with you if I thought that was cool because one player can really affect winning, especially if you have I'm not two. talking about players. But I'm just I'm but I'm, I'm just but, uh, but that's what we're that's what we're gauging is talent. And if I don't uh-huh. get to see if I don't get to see talent versus talent, then I can't tell you the value of that talent. I'm saying as a as a fan base, and I'm saying as an organization. The reason why you want your team to do well is so they can elevate and what? Win championships. If your team is stuck in the, is stuck in the muck, like you have the ML, not MLS, but you have some, some soccer teams, if you're not good enough, what you do? Get your ass out the league. All I'm trying to say, oh, I have no problem with relegation. I have no problem with relegation. All, 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 all I'm trying to say is, okay, if you want your team to, you have your team in the West and team in the East, mm-hmm. your team in the West isn't that good, but you want to see them finish play that team in the East, you got to put pressure on your organization. You all need to be good. Let's win some championships so we can see that. All I'm trying to say, I'm just playing a little devil's advocate here. All I'm trying to say... Are you, I'm like, is, this devil, is this devil's advocate or is this how you feel? Well... Because that's how like, it, 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 it wouldn't. Is this it what you? Like this. Is no, this no. what you prefer? I should say. Is this what you would prefer? It wouldn't. It wouldn't bother me if they did it. That's all I'm trying to say. If they, so, if they came, if they came out, if well, listen, listen, listen. Uh-huh. If MLB came out today and said, "No, you know what? We're going to go old school again. We're going to go where only time you get to see the uh, American League and National League play is when mm-hmm. we have the All Star Game and we have the World Series." It wouldn't bother me. It, I wouldn't be out with a with a with a pitchfork and a torch saying, "No, nah, no, nah. that it would it wouldn't it wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't it wouldn't do that to me." That's two all points. Two points for Ryan jumps in. Yeah, one. Uh, my one for MLB wanting to step into the 21st century, mm-hmm. th- it wouldn't make sense because that's not what young fans would want to see. And second, oh, they so have you're so many saying issues. I mean, but, I mean, but no, but you still taking away seeing talent versus talent is it's going to be a big issue because in other sports that's not what they see. In football and basketball, everybody plays each other well, in different you classes. Different, right? Don't you want but, something but, different? No, you want to do whatever is most entertaining is what I, that's why you want to bring the DH in because some people think that more offense is entertaining. But this is my last part. So a player, and you can't blame him for this, we can't see Mike Trout play against the AL team. So if you're a Cubs fan, you never see the Cubs versus Mike Trout. That's not Mike Trout's fault. And like that's but like for instance, for even with like Barry Bonds, Mike Trout play baseball though. But no, but you can't see him play other great players in a different league. You want to gauge him and see. All right, you know what? The Cubs got the best pitching in baseball. I wonder if Mike Trout's the best player. Could he live up to that? To uh, playing against those those pitchers like that. Look at Barry Bonds. It wasn't Barry Bonds' fault that you know his he only basically got two chances at, to bite at the apple. So in the American League, we would have never seen Barry Bonds take on the American League those American League teams or the Yankees. Nah, oh, man, I want to see all of that. I throw them all in there and let them play. That's a, listen, settle it on the field. And, and, and it's not fair if it's just the supreme talent can get the chance to settle on the field. Everybody should be allowed to settle on the field. So we basically, I know we have somewhat of a little bit of interleague. You still have the kind of storylines and kind of the um, regional. You play regional. one division. Yeah, the kind of like the, So, and, and if that's the case, then Ken, just go ahead and just mix it all up together. 
It, listen, if it doesn't bother me as long as you keep traditional rivalries. So that because look, look, a team like we all grew up with the Astros being in the NL for the most part, right? Yeah. Or the Bruins in the American League. That's about to say. So again, it happens. Oh, it, look, it, it's not the same. But Tampa Bay being in, in uh, the 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 AL, I mean the NL Central. The, the, the central here and for the for the for the football and then going NFC out to central, thank you, NFC central. central and then going to the NFC East just because and we had to watch bad Tampa Bay and they were just getting good. I didn't think that was fair, but okay, whatever. So I'm not saying it's all I'm gonna I'm gonna view it all fair when you switch teams into different leagues and conferences. Mm-hmm. But still, you don't and, and you also have to make sure that the teams within that division play the same amount of games of teams in another division so that you can validate their record stacked up against their division. So to a certain degree, as long as that's still there to where it's fair for every team in the division, it wouldn't bother me as much, especially if you include the natural rivalries that they have. It doesn't bother me, but taking away from teams and like we like in basketball now, like teams in different conferences may play each other just three times, if not two. That's way really, too. Yeah. Yeah. But no, sometimes it's three. I've noticed yeah. that. Like sometimes yeah, you, it's you three. Get off, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. So again, we're not getting a fuel, a full view, but we still get to see those matchups. And those are the, those are the primetime matchups after the time. Think about just before, right before we, the COVID uh, uh, stay in place took place. LeBron took off a team in his, uh, his, division as far as the Clippers, but then took off the, the, the Bucks too, right? Like you want to see all of that type of stuff. So I, I, I've never liked it in the MLB that it's like that. It's cool when people are like, it used to be special. No, everybody's supposed to play each other for the most part. That's what sports is about. Right. Yeah. For me, when you talk about the baseball schedule, I wish there was more interleague personally. I wish that they would play more teams. I would love to see the Cubs go to Yankee Stadium like every year or play the Yankees every year, sometimes at their place, sometimes at our place, and it just switches off year of the year, whatever. I'm with you, Ken. I want to see the best against the best, and I don't want it to just be in the playoffs. I think it's cool what you're saying, D, and when it works out really well, it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think sports are that calculated enough. I think sometimes you've got to live for that regular season a little bit. Yeah, yeah listen, uh, listen. Christmas off for, bat, for the NBA is great and usually have some type of East Coast versus West Coast type of thing. I'm not saying, I'm not, listen, I'm not disagreeing. It's going to be the, uh, yeah. the finals yeah. matchup yeah. from the year before mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature, but yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, Brian, I agree with you. Last point on this, I agree with you. Listen, if they want to cut down... 19 games between the White Sox and the Royals. Fine by me. If you're going to send nine of those games and you can go to, if you want to take a trip, go play the Mets or go down to Atlanta, yeah. go out to the Dodgers or go out to the Giants, Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, if you want to cut down on, inter- on actual division play and spread those games out, I mean, you got to think about travel maybe. Mm, but that's going to be a problem that, It's going to be the travel. But if you want to do something like that, or even if you want to cut it down within the division, but keep it within the region, you have the White Sox go play the Cardinals. You have the White Sox go play the Brewers. You know what I'm saying? You, you can have that. That, I, I, that part, I'm with. They play the Royals and them suck-ass teams way too much. Because one last thing, with baseball, it's also the venue, right? Like, that's part of it. And it is kind of with the NFL and NBA, but it's specifically like in baseball, you see the character of the park and all that. Yeah. It'd be great to see your favorite team, like the White Sox or the Cubs, go around the country yeah. often and you yeah. see these different stadiums instead of just because that's part of baseball's appeal is the maybe, venue. Maybe cut down the actual season and also, in a sense, uh, spread those interdivision inter- games out to other, right. other teams. I don't need to see the Reds 19 times. Let's do 15. 
Let's do a yeah. little less. That's good. I, I'm, I'm fine with that too. You can that. take three or four of those games off of that bad boy. Yeah. And we'd like yeah, no, I was going to say, Ken, you did mention The Last Dance and uh, episode seven and eight aired Sunday night. Uh, listen, I think the one thing that kind of jumped out to me, well, two things. One, it, it really showed Michael, it really showed Michael Jordan as being the tyrant that he is as far as just pushing himself and pushing everyone to win. And you need that. And I think a lot, I think for this generation of fans coming up that could be in their teenage years or early 20s and maybe even late 20s, never seen anybody like that. Or maybe the closest thing they saw was Kobe, but you still didn't see the backside. I mean, the insides look at it. We all kind of knew this about Michael Jordan. We knew, heard about the stories eventually after uh, even kind of doing the uh, the Bulls ring and kind of after after the ring. Uh, so it was kind of good, I think, for the younger audience to kind of see like, no, nah, dude, you you're talking about somebody pushing you. This dude right here will push you. I don't know how many times he calls Scarborella Hope. Um, and, number, and, number, and number two. And Scarborella smiled about it, which let you know. Yeah, I mean, he said, he said he, I, I he, couldn't make him mad. He was a hope. Hey, he said, he, I couldn't make him mad, but he dropped, he dropped 30, 30 some points one time, one game. Other thing, too, man, listen, the whole thing with Supersonics, the whole thing with Gary Payton, I mean, y'all had y'all thoughts about that, but man, it just still kills me that the uh, NBA is not in Seattle. That's the one. Yeah, I hate it. That still kills me, man. A great, a great basketball city. Phenomenal. I love the Supersonics. When you're talking about from uh, Lenny Wilkins being a player coach with uh, what's his name from the uh, the uh, Celtics, uh, Dennis. What's his name was the, the key player? Oh, this uh, the point guard. I mean, uh, shooting guard. Uh, Dennis yeah, Johnson. He was both Dennis Johnson. He was a combo guard. Yeah, combo guard. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Johnson being the key player when they won in the late seventies. Uh, until all those 90s uh, teams as far as the Supersonics. It's, it's a definitely a, a phenomenal uh, basketball city. You think about the players that come out of Seattle. Yeah. Um, Man, what about that Oklahoma City team if they were in Seattle? That was right. a lot of fun. Right. Let's, I had I asked the family while we was watching it, and so I said, what team – uh, what team was the uh, the the Seahawks, Supersonics, rather? And uh, they couldn't come up with it, but after finally it was like – Kevin Durant was on the, the, the team, right? And I was like, okay, right? And yeah, it's OKC or whatever. And like you just saying, Ryan, just think about if they would – listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If they would have played in Seattle, they may not have broken up because – And they might have won. You're, oh. in a metro- you're in a metropolis one, all right? And this has some Chocolate City aspects to it. So compared to being in the middle of nowhere, we're talking about – what is. I think at the time, I could be wrong. I think Seattle is either the 14th largest market. I'll say maybe it could have been the 8th, but I think it was the 14th. I think Oklahoma City was like the 48th. Yeah, they, they, they dropped. Like, yeah. And you, so you're taking, you know, and I'm talking about this as a person of color, that you're going to such a small community to, to a certain aspect where there's not a lot of stuff for us when it comes to, uh, I don't know, engaging with people that look like us. You know, people like to engage with people that look like them. Look at the world. It's true. Um, but uh, yeah, to think about that team. I, I, I real real quick, Seattle was the seventeenth uh, market. I mean, no, okay. no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, fourteenth, fourteenth market. I said, I said fourteenth. Yeah, fourteenth market in the country. Yeah. Stop! You don't interrupt me to tell me I was right to say, Ken, you're right. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to interrupt me and hit me with my number. I want to verify. Wait, he interrupted Ryan and hit me with my answer like it was a new answer. He was like, "Wait, It was the fourteen. No, no, you didn't verify. You were telling me I was wrong. Is what you were saying. You said, "Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait." I knew I was did right. You, did you say I was I'm verified? Head? When it come off of Davis, it's yeah. verified already, baby. Okay. It's verified. Okay. It, what, was I right? Okay. Was, I, was I right? Oh, all I'm trying to say was, is I'm just asking. Was, was I right? I 
many times have you said, yeah, yo, you know what? Thanks, D. Yeah, you're right, D. Thanks, D. Never. I've never said in a day in my life. Yeah, you can try to hold on to it. Man, D, how did you stay partners with him so long? You can just, <laughs> hey, listen. You can try to say, you can try. I just let him rant. I just let him go. He takes it. That's him taking advantage of me. No. He's like, I let him go. I get those. I get those minutes. I get those minutes out the way. I just, I'll verify that later. <laughs> I just let it go. But go ahead. Go uh, ahead. No, I'm done, Ryan. You can go ahead. D has already ruined everything I was saying. Ah, whatever. Uh, yeah, with the uh, last dance, I thought it was, uh, you know, cool seeing the tyrant. MJ the tyrant. And, uh, you know, whatever. The best part, honestly, for me was him laughing at Garrett Payton's face. I couldn't believe how cold that was. That was so disrespectful. That's a Hall of Famer named the glove for his defense. And was he crazy. Nick- he took his nickname one. He took his nickname. Who? New Anchor Jordan's, one of his nicknames was the glove. Really? Ooh. That's Google it. time. Google it. Jordan's name, one of Jordan's nickname in the 80s, they called him the glove because of his defensive play. That was Jordan, that was one of Jordan's nicknames. Hey, I mean, listen. Well, he can't have it? No, verify that shit now. <laughs> you know what? I will. I want the blue shit. I Michael Jordan. The glove nickname. Come on, he's got airness, black Jesus. He's got everything. We wasn't calling him black Jesus. We wasn't calling black Jesus too much back there. Wait a minute. He he called himself black Jesus. All right. Okay. 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 I didn't Um, know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. To Reggie Miller. Yeah. It's only only thing I see is talking about um. What is Michael Jordan's nickname? Damn glue. That's what I wanted to ask you. His airness, black cat, money, MJ, Air Jordan. It was no. It was. I'm telling you. That was a that was a big nickname in Michael Jordan's in the 80s. The only reason now because of Google you won't see it is because of Gary Payton when you think about when the internet took over, but that was one of Michael Jordan's nicknames was the glove. We need to get Luke Nellis on here. He'll tell you the truth. We need the newspaper archives. Sweet, sweet Lou. All right, go ahead, go, go ahead and finish, Ryan. I'm sorry. Uh, no, the, uh, the thing that I'm looking forward to this week, you're going to have Reggie Miller and the Michael Jordan stuff. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be very, very entertaining. Yeah. A la laughing at Gary Payton's face, something similar to that. Oh, and then uh, my heart's going to be broken once it's all over and you just see the demise and the downfall. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you know the ending of it. Uh, you know how it was going to end. Obviously, uh, it's just cool to kind of see the back, the back end. I mean, the behind the scenes stories. Of, you know, saying the lost footage. Uh, I hope. I really, really hope ESPN and Netflix and Jordan, because this is basically a documentary by Michael Jordan about Michael Jordan. Um, I hope they release some, some more footage, kind of like an archive, yeah. kind of a dump that you can kind of go in and kind of just kind of see some stuff. Because I can mm-hmm. say before, I think they said they have about fifty hours worth of video that they can do, and they only condensed yeah. all that down to ten hours. Not even really ten hours, because including commercials, it's probably like you know, saying eight hours, right? Something like that. So um, that, that that yeah, man, it's it's gonna hurt. Uh, it's gonna hurt seeing the seeing the breakup of it, but. Um, I am interested to see the behind more more behind the scenes of when they broke up, how things were fleshed out then too. Yeah, um, it's man, it's since Scotty just running to the to the hills. Uh, you haven't seen him on the jump since the first week this came out. I wanted to mention something about that, and it's just when you look at the first, Mike saying he was selfish. Uh, a friend of the show, Craig Hodges, came out and said he disagreed with Mike for saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to see that the 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 sit down with Tony, and then for for Scotty to double down on it, like damn, yeah, Scotty, yeah. 
But you know why, what? I thought yeah. about this I don't when know you said why, that. Man. I thought about this when I, when that happened. I never hear anybody in God rest his soul, you know, saying Bamba, Black, uh, Kobe Bryant. Remember when he was playoff series and he took he stopped he stopped playing basically? Was that a game? Oh, it's because how great he is. I, I know, but he but, didn't but, take shots the second half of the, the some, second half of the game. Who came he, out? Somebody came out saying, "Like, could you imagine?" And then, like, he was twenty something years old. I don't know. Was it even in a documentary? Like, he was twenty something years old. He made a mistake, and you you have Jackie McMullen. Jackie okay, McMullen. Jackie McMullen. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you have all the other great things that he did is now kind of overshadowed that. I mean, Scottie Pippen is a great, truly top fifty player of all time. But mm-hmm. then we have seen some other players do some. Messed up stuff. Too. We ain't seen nobody at the last end of a playoff game say, "I'm not going in." I feel you on that one. That's different. Listen, God you can be mad. Kobe stopped taking shots. Listen, but we guess literally what? Saw him guess what? Though? Guess what? Guess what? Kobe, Kobe still was out there, right? Kobe. Listen, y'all let LeBron do that. If LeBron let LeBron just pass the ball, right? So Kobe was like, "I'm gonna show y'all something. I'm gonna play like LeBron for one second. Hey, Again, I'm with he you. He was Kobe, over the court, but no, no one. T- I, I think about that from time to time about Kobe. I'm with yeah. you. And again, it's not a knock. It, 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 it slightly takes away from Scotty's greatness. But you know when it really takes away from his greatness? That as an older person, he can't concede that he was wrong in doing it. Right. But he, but like, he cried. But he cried in the locker room. He apologized. Yeah, but dude. So, so now, down? so now you're like, I was, so I'm gonna make Bill Cartwright want to punch me in the face again? I know. Like, I, stop. I, 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 I couldn't believe that either. That's, like, that's like, man, my wife was kind of messing up, so I cheated. And if I happen again today, I still cheat on her ass. <laughs> like, no! Y'all together is good. Don't do that. Yeah, I, I didn't know better. When he said that, man, I was I was like, whoa. He said you'd do it again? Like, damn, Scotty. Most Phil, i do it again. Shut in, your, in your face. <laughs> Draw up another I play for Tony. <laughs> I sit down again, too. Take us out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter and IG at D and Davis Show. I'm on Twitter at Demons One. IG as well. Ken, that's Davis IG. Uh, Ryan Bukovetsky, Ryan B. Ski, and Ryan B. Ski One. Make sure you check out Dan Davis to flip. Please take care of yourself and take care of everybody around you. Don't do anything crazy before you hear from us. Keep your hands to yourself. A lot of people back down the bike. I didn't. I made it a point. I said, just tire him out. Tire the f*** out of him. You just got to tire him out. And I kept hitting him and banging him and hitting him and banging him. It took a toll on Mike. It took a toll. And then <laughs> resting him a little bit. And then the, the, the series changed. And I wish I could have did it earlier. I don't know if the outcome would have been different, but it, it, it was a difference. <laughs> and, and beating him down a little bit. The glove. I had no problem with the glove. I had no problem with Gary Payton. I had a lot of other things on my mind. D and Davis to show. And right now we're joined by sports reporter for the Seattle Times, Percy Allen. Follow him at Percy Allen. We definitely got to get into the last dance. And one thing we've been trying to do is not just talk about the Bulls, but especially for us that kind of grew up with it, to talk about the teams they were playing and kind of find out the narrative or the context that was going on in that city and with that team. And lucky enough, we have Percy to join us. How are you doing, Percy? I'm fantastic, guys. How are you? We're doing, doing good. good. Sorry. Uh, first, because, I mean, it's kind of like the big one that came out of this. You have what well, Gary Payton says that he should have been placed on Michael Jordan earlier in the series. But the funny thing about that, if you kind of look at it, uh, right now, current Pacers head coach, player back then, Nate McMillan, 
was injured at the beginning of that series. So Gary Payton basically had to be the primary ball handler instead of playing the two where he could sit there and have more energy to play defense. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And then on top of that, Gary had, uh, you know, sort of in that series where you were even before that series, a bit of a calf injury. Mm -hmm. And so that was another concern. And then there was also the concern that that team, and, and it wasn't just Gary, but that team was tired. Because if, if you think in the Western Conference Finals, they got pushed to seven games. And that's really the Sonics fault. So really this whole thing kind of even, you know, before the Bulls, you know, sort of, sort of happened. What, what I remember was the Sonics were up 3-1 on the Jazz in the Western Conference Finals. And uh, the Bulls then played, I want to say, on a Saturday. They swept their series. Mm -hmm. And everybody in, in, in right? In, in, right? In, and then um, the uh, Sonics had the Jazz. At home, game five, thought, oh, all right, you know, uh, they win the series, and then they'll go straight to sh sh Chicago for the series to start on Friday. Well, lo and behold, Jazz win two. Jazz mm -hmm. win two games, push it another week, and that's just extra wear and tear. And that's when Gary's calf kind of got a little sort of gimpy there too. And so, you know, there was this whole deal that, hey, look, that this team – after just beating the 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 you know the uh, the uh, Jazz, that was like a big thing for him. And then and and you know those first three games, I'm just I mean, look, I was there. They wanted to be there, but they were tired. They were just Ooh. mentally tired, and it mm. took them a while to like really get into this series. Uh, and so yeah, you could say the whole you know should Gary had been on Michael, but that that was that would just been a whole lot. And, and, like, as you said, Nate was not there. Nate was a big part of that team. Um, you know, like, he only played, like, 55 games that year. Mm. But I want to say in those 55 games, they were 49-6. and six. You know, I mean, Nate was a big part of what they did. He allowed them to trap. Um, you know, he uh, allowed Gary to come off of the ball. And so him not being there was really key. Percy, one thing you brought to my attention is depth. So one of the things that Carl, I mean, George Carl alluded to was that he probably should have played Frank Bukowski more minutes instead of Irvin, not Magic Johnson, which used to always be weird <laughs> as a kid. It's like, Irvin Johnson? But so, so can we blame George Carl a little bit more? Because, of course, with Nate McMillan being hurt, you, you had to use Hersey Hawkins a lot more. But at least with your bigs, there was more depth there that you could have probably used, and he waited to switch Irvin Johnson for Frank Bukowski. You know, again, hindsight is perfect. And, yeah, you know, and, and but but I give some credit to, like, George in the sense that he has really, look, that series has devastated him, and just like a lot of losses. And he allowed us inside, you know, to, like, in, hmm. and he allowed himself to be sort of, sort of micro, you know, not, you know, but allow people to, to like, really, you know, pick. You, you know, pick it apart. Mm -hmm. decision makings and and he went back and forth with it I mean like he was open that way whereas like you see some of these coaches who are just like no I stand by my decisions and you know xyz George wasn't that way George was like yeah you know you got a good point there and so mm -hmm. hindsight was yeah that that like Irving just really wasn't tough enough for the Bulls I mean look, look he was fine in sort of you know that season but it's interesting to note 
um, before I said, I, I really want to get this right. Uh, Irvin was replaced. Irvin, not Magic Johnson, was replaced in game three or four of that series. Never played for the Sonics again. Mm-hmm. Never. Play, I mean, so, uh, yeah, I mean, now, obviously, that, you know, that summer he became a free agent or to let him go. But he didn't play again in that series. And, you know, sort of, uh, but now. That's not to say that he wasn't good for them for, you know, that year. But, yeah, uh, for that series, the whole – the rebounding was a big key. And Dennis Rodman just – was just all over the place. So, you know, uh, and Frank Brunkowski was just no-nonsense. He was a – he was you know, he was like a one-year free agent pickup. And, you know, he was a uh, older sort of veteran guy. I want to say at that time he was about 33 years old. And, you know, sort of like, you know, had been around – grizzled vet whereas Irvin was like 24 25 and but like Frank was just you know and I want to say Frank I kicked out of like three of three of, of those games yeah I mean just from like either just from the uh fouled out or just kicked out me and Dennis were just going at it. Mm. D and David show Percy Allen's right here with us make sure you follow Percy on Twitter at Percy Allen uh Percy one thing is kind of cool with this documentary last year's documentary is re is reintroducing or introducing a younger uh demographic to 80s and 90s basketball right and Ken and I growing up we loved seeing the uh, Seattle Supersonics uh Kind of give us, kind of give the younger viewers here and listeners here, kind of a uh, a look back at those teams, those '90s uh, supersonic teams, and also too, you had the Rain Man, Sean Kemp, you had the Glove, Gary Payton, and their impact on the game. And two part to it, second part to it, what would you think was missing from that from that core, from that team right there? Those especially those two guys to to eventually get them into a championship or have them win yeah. a championship. Boy, uh, so to answer that first part, you know, to just try to, like, to educate sort of young folks, probably like yourself, I don't know, I mean, you sort of got some... I got the grades. I was around a little bit there, person. (laughs) 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 Like, the Sonics have been gone now for, you know, over, like, a decade Over a decade, yeah. Right? And so, you know, like, I've got kids, and so we're watching it. And my kids are growing up and, you know, they have no idea who the Sonics are, and which yeah. is so crazy, you know, to me. And for, you know, uh, uh, us folks of mm-hmm. a different generation, of a mm-hmm. different ilk, like, you know, back in the day, Seattle was just a tough place to play. It was a, a cool place to play. It was a cool vibe, like the 90s, right? I, and I hate to sound old, it's like, oh, we had this, you know, but it really was cool. And yeah. a lot of it was because of GP and, and, and Sean. I mean, I mean, they were just, um, I mean, they just played the game in a different type of way. And George had a lot to do with that too, because of his defense, but he had the right guys. And GP was just all chin and just Oakland. I mean, like he really brought that yeah. Oakland vibe here. And Sean just was just perfect for it too. Sean was a rain man and just high flying. Yeah. It was, you know, you know, I guess you could really look back and, you know, I think somebody, and, you know, I'm sure somebody has done it. I haven't done it, but the Sonics had like a six year run that was just, um, that was, you know, for teams who did not win it. Obviously, yeah. there's a few who can sort of go in there, but, but for like the, for the, for like the teams who didn't win it, maybe the Knicks at one point in time or with the Jazz, you know, there too. But the but the Sonics had like a six year run where that where like they averaged almost sixty games 
want to say they averaged like 58 games, didn't win it. But those teams were a lot of fun. You know, um, where, where like their downfall was and what, you know, a lot of superstars just didn't eat when like, when like MJ was in his prime. But when their downfall was is when MJ left the game. 94? Where I'm going. You can know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Kim Matumbo on the floor with the ball? Yeah. I was going to ask you about that one. Never real forget, quick. Never forget real, about it. Real quick, let me ask you this, because that was a question I have for you that you just went to. All right. I, I, usually back in those days, you can look at, for instance, the Kobe missing the shots at the end when he was young. Or here in Chicago, and Kobe came back from that. Here in Chicago, you actually had Nick Anderson in one of those finals where he missed the shots against uh, the Houston uh, Rockets. And him being a Chicago guy, he was never the same after that. And the crazy thing was, uh, listen, and you got to think now, because we, for everybody should know, usually at that time, we all kind of had an affinity for Seattle. Like if you're a basketball fan, you like the Seattle Supersonics, especially Mm -hmm. when GP started to come into a zone. Um, when they lost to the, to the, the eighth seed in Denver, all right, being the first, had the best record in the year, I think they had six or three wins, and they lost to the eighth seed that year, and you still see the Kimbe on the ball. I remember LaFonso Ellis. I remember all those guys. Mm-hmm. You would have never thought they could make it back to the finals after that. And can you talk a little, about, a little bit about how they got that out of their head, how quickly they got that out of their head to get them back to the finals? Because that would have destroyed a lot of teams on the come up. You know, it took a while, and so it did. And, you know, so I give credit to, again, George Carl, and a, a lot of people in this town do not want to give him credit. But I, I also give credit to the general manager, Wally Walker, and to the ownership, because there was a lot of people who thought, just like sort of like kind of what you're sort of hitting at, is that, you know what, they're not going to overcome this, and, and you may need to blow this up. Uh, but to management credit, they say, you know what, we're not going to blow this up. They were close. Yes, that was a devastating loss, but we're going to roll it back. And they rolled it back. And guess what happened? They got knocked out in the first round again. Again. Mm. And then you can just imagine that, oh, can, all right, so then it be just became this thing that, oh, they're fun during the re- – so, you know, it's kind of a lot like the Houston Rockets now. That, like, they're fun during the regular season. They can win during the regular season when there's no pressure. But when the playoffs start, they just crumble. And that was true. And, and then, if I can, re- you know, and so now, so you fast forward that. So, like, you have two really good teams, that 94 team that won 63, as you said, like, had the best record. The next year they won 57, had a really good record, but they were, like, the 4-5 seed, and so it was kind of like a toss-up there. But they lost it in the first round. Uh, and so now, And so now you roll that into – all right, so what are we going to do? Do we bring George Carl back? Do we blow it up? You know, we got these two young superstars. You know, um, now one of the reasons they didn't blow up, they didn't blow it all up, because they had Sean on a sweetheart of a deal. Sean mm. wasn't the highest paid player. Gary wasn't the highest paid player. You have you 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 have your best two players, young in their prime, are not the the, the highest, the second or the third highest paid player. Gary Payton was the fourth-highest-paid player. Sean Kim was the fifth-highest-paid player. That's why they didn't blow it up. Interesting. <laughs> Sounds like Chicago with Scottie Pippen. That's a, <laughs> drop that bomb right there, Percy. Drop that bomb on us. Yeah, basically. Hey, uh, Percy, another thing, too, I want to stick with the uh, – with this uh, uh, Seattle Supersonics, obviously, and you being there, uh, looking at the Last Dance documentary, was there anything that you think could have been added to it or a different kind of angle 
within that finals? You was there covering. Is anything you, you would have liked to have seen? Well, you know, just from that particular year, you know, wow. Um, one, I would like to say that I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed, you know, these past four weeks. I thought the first eight episodes were, were really good. I thought this past week was better than most. I, you know, I love episode seven when like Jordan was really pushed about sort of, you know, being a bully and a tyrant. And like, you could see that like there was some pushback there and I almost thought he was going to get emotional. Right. And so I love that part of it. And then to roll that into episode eight and then, yeah, I, I was watching that really closely. Like, oh, all right. So, you know, let's see kind of where they go. I mean, they can only show so much. Um, no, look, I, look, I think they've done a fantastic job. I think Jordan has been, um, sort of forthcoming to a point, you know, right? I mean, obviously this is his story. Yeah. And so, you know, he's going to tell it his way. Um, you know, early on, you know, like a lot of people, and I'm sure you may have had some guests on or like people talk about it, and necessarily like the treatment of Isaiah, you know, uh, Thomas, that I, I thought he, you know, yeah, I mean, there was some of that uh, I didn't necessarily like. Um, you know, I guess uh, sort of like Jordan kind of being Jordan, you know, I mean, this is him, his chance to get the last word on things. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily like that. And and it's not like I'm a, you know, a, you know, sort of one guy or another, but when he laughed at sort of Gary, like, I had no problems with the glove. That's that yeah. Thing. Like, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, I didn't necessarily like that so much, but I understand it coming from MJ because he's just supremely confident that way. Uh, you know, but uh, if you're, you know, you know, if you're, looking at it from a different direction, you thought, well, you know, that was a little arrogant, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, but that's Mike. Right. Dan Davis, right now we have Percy Allen on from the Seattle Times breaking down the last dance, particularly the Seattle Super Sox, Supersonics of the 96 finals. Uh, Percy, let me ask you this, and this is going to be here in Chicago, be heresy. And also I'm gauging it on what Jordan did in the past, because in the past, Jordan would always raise his level in the finals. All right. And then of course we know, and we knew that here, you know, around the nation that this was around Father's Day when this was taking place and he was emotional. This is his worst finals. Uh also the but you just mentioned the games when Gary Payton switched off on him, his scoring average dipped for him. I won't say dramatically, but it, it dipped, dipped. Right. He was averaging like 31 points. The thing when GP got on him, maybe been like 23 or something like that. Even though they was kind of letting him play a little, they was getting let him get away with a lot. Let me just say that part, all right, to defend Chicago. But I want to get back to the Rain Man real quick because really in that finals, and it's not LeBron the first year versus Golden State. In a way, I always felt like he shouldn't have been MVP. But he had the best series of that final. Dennis Rodman would get under the skin of Shaq, Carl Malone, Alonzo Mourning. And all I can remember is Sean Kemp literally putting him in the rim with him when he was going up. Like, I've never seen someone, and this is before, like, Dennis wasn't the perimeter player that he was in the past, but he was still a, a, a decent enough defender. But he would dunk, and Dennis would be hanging on him, and it would be nothing. And this, to me, was – this was the peak of Sean Kemp, period. This was the best Sean Kemp we had ever seen. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and, again, it didn't just begin in that series. You know, so the, the one cool thing about that sort of playoff run was that Sean kind of came into his own. And, you know, that was happening early on in the season. He was being challenged a lot by George Carl that, like, hey – you know, whose team is this? All right. Like, you know, like where, you know, like where are we going to go to? I distinctly remember, and I hate to kind of keep going back to it, but it goes back to that Utah series, the Western Conference Finals, Sean versus Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I mean, and like there, it was always sort of like this, you know, uh, John Stockton, Gary Payton, you know, Carl Malone, Sean Kemp thing. I mean, and so that series really was just, it was just a war. And that's really one of those series that kind of gets lost in the annals of the greatness of the Bulls because they overshadowed a lot. I mean, the Bulls won 72 games. It was, yeah, I mean, it's our, yeah, I mean, people think it's the greatest, you know, team of all time. And so everything else that happened that season, you got, you kind of don't remember, mm. but for, you know, but I'm, I'm telling you that, that, that Seattle Utah series was just epic. Mm. And Sean Kemp came into his own game seven, Sean Kemp and, and like, and like George and Gary, both of them said, young fella is you. Cause it wasn't Gary. It, I mean, and look, I like that, and it wasn't going to be debt, wasn't going to be Hersey, wasn't going to be, you know, Sam Perkins. They just said, young fella, is you, and you, and, and you got to go after uh, Carl. And he did, and he took it on himself. And so take all that going into that sh- Chicago series, Sean was just, Sean was just in, was just playing well. Mm-hmm. And Dennis, for all his, he didn't want none of that smoke. I mean, no, he didn't. just <laughs> like, I'm playing. I mean, I am out here playing. And then what helped Sean is that Frank Burkowski was going to be that enforcer. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to do some sh- shenanigans, he'll get caught up in that. Sean wouldn't get caught up in none of that. Sean was just about playing. I'm running up and down this court. I'm about to do my moves. And then I'm about to either dunk it, flush it on you, or just give you that little, little short jumper and live with the results that way. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it was really – his best playoff series. Well, it's funny. Uh, we were talking to Kerry Eggers out of uh, Portland, mm-hmm. and I brought up this almanac that I used to have, and I was talking about Cliff Robinson in it. But one of the players, and these were guys that were basically like high school guys going in at the back of the book, and Kemp was one of those guys. I think this may have been after he didn't make – was it Texas El Paso? What school did he go to that – he went to one school and got kicked out or whatever because, in a way, he kind of went from high school to the pros as far as he really didn't yeah. play in college. Yeah. He went to yeah. Juco, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it like a Trinity? Trinity? Yeah, perhaps it was – it was something. Was it in Texas or – regardless, the point no. – No. Okay. It was like in Indiana. Okay. The point that I'm really trying to get at is for a long period of time, we grew up with, regardless of his, his skills hadn't been as refined as they were, had gotten to in 96, because in 96, we're not talking about just dunking. We're talking about the jump shot was popping and, and everything. And he always had a handle to be a big or whatever. But as kids, we would have thought that that was his team because we're not in the locker room. We don't know necessarily the hierarchy. And at this point, Gary had really came into his own and also, you had Nate McMillan on the team who was kind of always a leader. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. w- one, from, from us being on the outside, as far as leadership, whose team was it? But also, when it comes to Sean Kemp, can you give us some of his, his, his positive and negative attributes? Because to be such a phenomenal player, he's, he's really disappeared. And you don't have the same gravitational pull that he once had in the 90s with how just phenomenal he was as a high flyer. Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, so, you know, as far as his strengths and weakness were was that he was just this amazing athlete first of all I mean you know as you said there six eight could run the floor like just effortlessly uh could just jump out of the gym you know uh look I still remember and I think I was back in college at that time uh with the 92 slam dunk uh uh contest and, and just some sailing of, of, you know I mean that was just like just that was one to, to me Again, one of the top 
five all-star dunks that people don't mm-hmm. even remember. You know, but, you know, um, so in terms of the locker room, it was – that's in- interesting there. You know, uh, and, you know, I hate to sort of be on the fence with this, but I'll say this, that it was Gary's team, but in many ways it was Nate's locker room, if okay. that makes sense. It yeah, does. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, look, Gary's just this force of nature. I mean, you just got to – I mean, you you have to de- – uh, Gary's just going to be Gary. Gary fills up a room. Gary has a personality that is just big, and especially back then. Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, number one overall draft pick, you know, coming out of Oregon State. I mean, Gary was just this force of nature. Nate was was just uh, cool and, and even killed and, you know, could like connect to different parts of the locker room, whether you're from a small rural town or from a big city, Nick could get you that way. Gary was big city, Oakland, and he came at you one way. And so you kind of, so it was his team, but Nate, and you can even say Sam Perkins, because Sam was, you know, sort of old, older back then. Mm-hmm. Nate, Sam Perkins, and, and like Detlef Shrimp, they were the old sort of veterans that, that kind of kept things sort of even, even killed because Gary and George Carl would always just clash. And so, and so that's kind of going back to kind of when you guys asked, like, what kind of kept this team from, you know, winning? A lot of it had to do with just the maturity and the makeup that, like, mm-hmm. George Carl is, will also put, you know, and, and, admit to that like he liked a little bit of chaos like you know and that was all also the nba of that time i mean it was i mean so we getting a glimpse of michael jordan and and you know how he ran his team he wasn't the only one i mean i mean there was fights across the league that year i mean there was i mean the the it was just a, a different time and 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 so with this group there was a lot of headbutting there was a lot of egos there was a lot of you know uh, playing for sometimes the wrong reasons, you know, playing for that contract instead of playing for your team. And so that happened. Uh, and, and so they had to grow and, and sort of get there. And, and they had that six-year run where it's like, you know, and, and again, talking of the contracts, that year Gary was just underpaid. He knew it and everybody knew it. Sean was underpaid. He knew it and everybody knew it. And their contracts were coming up. And so, you know, they were just – Waiting their time. Now, personally, now we all know the history of the Seattle Supersonics. They were up there. Kevin Durant was drafted by them, but obviously they went down to Oklahoma City. Uh, you're still there. Uh, one thing that's really jumping out to me, uh, at least with looking at social media, I was watching the last couple of episodes, was a lot of people saying, we said it before, like how big of a market and how crazy of a basketball and great basketball city Seattle is. Uh, you're there on, on, on the grounds. Have you heard any, any mention of the NBA trying to make a return back to Seattle? You know, yeah, there's been, yeah, uh, there's been some efforts, right, you know, over the past few years. Uh, a, a little while back, an uh, investor by the name of Chris Hansen, uh, sort of, you know, he was close. He had a push. He, uh, he thought he had a, a deal done uh, to, uh, you know, to bring the Sacramento Kings to, Seattle and it looked like it would happen but um, David Stern may he 
rest in peace. Um, just didn't want that to happen. And uh, it didn't happen. Uh, and a lot of people here are really bitter about that because they blame David Stern in the first place for l- letting the team leave. Mm-hmm. And then on a second turn, when it seemed like Seattle had a avenue to get a team, he wasn't in favor of that. I'm not going to say he blocked it, but he wasn't in favor of it. And we all kind of know that if David didn't make it happen, it wasn't going to happen. And so since then, uh, since that all fell apart, um, Chris Hansen still owns a lot of that property downtown that is perfect for development, but but with no you know, no team sort of insight, no sort of um, pathway, no easy, easy pathway. Um, I don't see expansion happening. I just don't. I mean, uh, I mean, perhaps you, you guys have heard otherwise, but I just don't see expansion happening with, with this league, um, especially not until the next collective bargaining sort of comes up. Uh, and so then you're talking about relocation of some sense and, I don't know if, if the appetite is there either. And, and and also keep in mind that one of the sort of uh, biggest basketball fans that was in Seattle, Steve Ballmer, who was a part of that Chris Hansen sort of group there, he has since left that group, and mm-hmm. we know what he did. He went right. to L.A. and he bought the Clippers. And so, you know, that took away a big sort of, uh, you know, personality and not – you know, sort of talking about sort of the, the finances that he brings to the table. And so um, I just, I, w- I, I would like to be optimistic, but uh, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Dean Davis with Percy Allen from the Seattle Times. Percy, uh, getting back real quick to George Carl. Um, George Carl was really on the come up and was a, a top flight coach at the time in Seattle, uh, moved around a couple of places, but you kind of look at some of the stuff that happened uh, as far as some of the comments that he made, I believe in, in his book about like Carmelo and J.R. Smith, like how do you view his coaching legacy for the most part, I think is the question. You, you said that he was pretty open and, and open for a head coach compared to other coaches. So how do you, someone that's been up close and personal with him view his coaching legacy? Um, you know, I think of George Carl as just a tough dude. You know, one, you know, it's so interesting because I've sat in his coach's room and, I mean, you, you, you know, like, you know, like all of us have done it, right, to just sit down with these guys before the games and, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, I've done that so many times. And so I'm a little biased in, this, in, the, in the aspect of that. I was just cutting my teeth on the NBA. Like I was just fresh out of high school, I mean college, and here I am in like George Carl's, you know, office, you know, on a nightly basis, and he's basically reteaching me this game, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, and you know, he's being really open, uh, you know, sort of in this sort of group of like scribes who are in there, and so I'm just just fresh. I'm just sort of soaking it all up, and you know. And then you saw how, and then when you hear his story, you know, of like, you know, the whole Dean Smith and the North Carolina deal. And, and so, like, he came from the blue blood. And then not just that, then he said, you know what, I'm, you know, he wasn't sort of given, like, this golden path to the league. He went off and just did his own thing. He had to do that, right? Like, he had to go overseas and to really cut his teeth that way. Uh, you know, he did the CBA route. CBA. I mean, can you even, you know, I mean, he did the CBA route for years. Uh, I mean, like, like this guy loved basketball and just loved teaching the game, especially young people. Didn't matter who you were. 
Now, to like that regard, as I said, now, so all, so, so two things can be true too. George also was just this antagonist, right? I mean, just with his players, right? I mean, um, I mean, he just, like, he had an idea of how the game should be played back then, that, that like, you had to be physically tough, and, you know, in a certain sense. And he liked those types of players. I also like the, the aspect that, like, George Carl, I believe, was the visionary in the sense of how he embraced a style of play defensively that really not a whole lot of people were, like, doing it back then. And it was Bob Kloppenberg's defense. Bob Kloppenberg, one of the architects of this game. And he was an assistant under George Carl. And it was Kloppy who just said, you know what? He, you know, I mean, he was this defensive whiz, and it was all about traffic. It was in, in basically. And then at that time, there was there was rules about what you can and can. I mean, obviously, you couldn't play zone, but but a cloppy system, you know, it was basically you know you were you got you close were, to playing the zone. Yeah, you were kind of cheating. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he wasn't cheating. Okay. But, but you know, it was it was a lot of trapping. It was just a lot of trapping, and like he had the two guys who could do it, you know, and like uh, GP and Nate. They can do it, and just guys were just swarming. It was a swarming defense, and man, it was just so good that way. And George loved to play that way. He loved to be aggressive that way. Um, now, I can see all of the faults. Look, George was honest to a. I mean, if you ask him a question, you know, I. I mean, George will will tell you. I mean, like the next year, he kind of got in trouble when he was talking about M MJ, right? Uh, I, I distinctly remember it. We were in. We were in his office, and we were just talking about, you know, do you see any sort of um, wear and tear there? Mm. Yeah. He doesn't dunk as much as he used to. That's all he said. That, 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 that's all he said. He doesn't dunk as that Like, he basically is taking more jumpers than normal. Well, that got back to Mike. Of, of course it got back to Mike. Right. And it became headlines everywhere. And then uh, I want to say, and I'm, I don't know, uh, I could be embellishing this, but I want to say the next time that – Mike came to Seattle. I want to see he dropped like fifty six on on a, on a, on a, on a, on on Sonics. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was forty seven. Yeah, something like in the forties, right? Just destroyed. Yeah. And uh, of course, it was all brought up. It was you know, but but George was just being honest. And so you know, he would say, "Look, if you ask George Call a question, he's he's going to answer it." With, with, the, with the last episode, one of the things that came up and refreshed pe people's memories, or if you didn't know, because I want to get to real quick with the Bulls before we get you out of here. What were your thoughts on Pip um, as far as, you know, the Knicks series and sitting out for Tony? You know, it was big here, but it kind of happened on a Friday, so it kind of got away with it. And he actually won the next game. I think Pip made had like 14 points, but he had like an all-around game, and they pulled yeah, it out. he dominated the rest of that series. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was. So, but what were your thoughts on – what took place, but also with the lack of contrition from him in the last episode? I was surprised. You, you know, I really was on just, as you said there, the lack of contrition, right? I mean, that part that I would think that years later you would be able to, you know, maybe humble yourself some and, and just say, if I had a chance to do it all over again, I would make a different decision. But he didn't do that, right? I mean, like, he just stood pat, like, no, I would do the same thing. And so that part I was a little bit surprised by um and but as you said though at the time it really wasn't that big of a deal i mean i mean it was like this blip that happened and then you could analyze it later 
and then you can sort of, you know, sort of nitpick it after the series, you know, but uh, it didn't cost them this. It, that's not why they lost that series. But it just, for, you know, for a, a lot of people, I'm sure you guys back there, mm-hmm. it really stayed with him for a long time. And that's unfortunate because I think that was one of his worst moments. I also think, the, I mean, again, like things like tossing the chair on the floor. People don't even bring that up. I mean... I mean right. that was a, that was a Bobby Knight move, right? right. Yeah, that's who came to my mind when you said it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and like, but at the time, you know, again, that was a blip. But Scotty did some things, you know. Um, you know, I mean, that was just like, oh man, they just had you sh- shaking your head. Uh, but 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 I but I like to remember that that season he really came into his own. That like we really saw the greatness of of like Scotty for the whole you know point forward deal. Oh my goodness, he was so good at it, and I think he really sort of validated Phil's triangle that mm-hmm. like this is how it really can work. That the ball really should be moving, right? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like one guy shouldn't score thirty. That ball should really move. All right, Percy, last one real quick before I get up out of here. Uh, obviously, this documentary is about Michael Jordan by Michael Jordan. You covered Michael Jordan. How was it covering uh, MJ? It was amazing. It, it was, it was, whew, it was, um, I mean, you know, again, I was a young dude, too, for the coming out of J school. And so um, it was just big crowds and entourages that way. But what a lot of people don't realize is that if you got there early enough, you got there early, early enough, and you had to kind of be sort of lucky too, that Mike was the type of guy who was also open. Um, and, and, it, and it didn't really matter kind of where you were from. I mean, he was always competitive that way. Like he would take a look at your sort of, you know, sort of credentials. And like you say, Oh, you from, you know, you know, here. And like, he would have, didn't think that go tell Gary X, Y, and Z as if I'm like Gary's errand boy. (laughs) Like, I mean, like he would really see it that way. You from Seattle. So you must be for them. I'm like, no, I'm not for that. No, I'm not for them. But, but he was fun that way. And uh, I mean, it was really cool. It was just, it was big. It was just, I mean, I just remember the crowds light, right. You're always jockeying for position, Mm. that type of deal. Um, it was, um, you know, in my lifetime, look, there's been three dudes, right? Uh, and I'm 50. And so there's been three dudes. There's been Mike, uh, MJ, Mike Tyson, and Tiger. Percy, thanks, bro. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was great. That was, this was fun, fun, fun. <laughs> like, this was fun, 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 to say the least. Walk down memory lane for me. <laughs> <laughs>